Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning, everyone. My name is Johnny Martinez. I'm the lead pastor of Restoration Church, and it's good to be with you online this morning. Uh, we just want to welcome you to our online family this morning, and uh, we hope that you are doing very, very well. I hope that you are safe as well. Uh, I want to give you a couple of updates regarding Restoration Church. Obviously, we are not meeting this Sunday, the 15th, and we're not going to meet next Sunday, the 22nd, as well. We got informed by the school district that they will be closing all their schools to renters uh, in order to disinfect and clean the schools. And so I, I'm, I totally encourage that. Uh, we want to make sure that our kids are safe, that our teachers are safe, and that our communities are safe. So uh, we're not going to meet this Sunday or next Sunday in person. Also, just I encourage you to stay updated and stay connected with us via social media, via our website. Uh, we're also going to be sending some new letter, newsletters to let you know uh, about any future updates regarding our church. Also, Online on our website or on our front page, there is an online connection card, very similar to what you see on Sunday mornings. Uh, we encourage you to fill that out. Uh, the safe uh, connection card is a safe card, and so it allows us to connect with you and take care of you if you need anything. In that connection card, there's also a, uh, a place for prayer requests. We want to pray for you and with you. Also, there will be a, uh, a document, a PDF with some quiet time reflection questions based on the sermon today, and we encourage you to use those to take some time to connect with God and grow in your faith. Uh, also, you can give financially online, give to the mission, the vision of Restoration Church as we help people uh, know God, find a community, discover purpose, and make a difference. You can give online or through text message. Uh, finally, next week, we start a brand, brand new series called What's Next? And we believe that, uh, that God has some amazing things for your life uh, in the future, and we cannot wait to develop those and see what those things are. Uh, so next week, we start a brand new series called What's Next? God has better and greater for your life coming up here. So before we jump into our message, I want to take just a few minutes to, to pray um, and to just really encourage you that I know our, our world is kind of going crazy right now, but I want to encourage you uh, that there's nothing to fear. I want to encourage you that God is still faithful, that God is sovereign, that God is all-powerful, that God is all-loving, uh, and there's nothing to fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And so uh, I really encourage you to really ask yourself during this time, uh, how can God actually use you to impact people, to impact those people around you who are having a hard time with what's going on in this world? But let, let me pray for us as we get started. God, I want to thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. God, if you've been faithful in the past, you're going to continue to be faithful in the present, and you're going to be con continue to be faithful in the future. God, I pray for um, uh, your presence to be shown in our world uh, right here, right now. God, maybe if there's someone listening this morning that uh, they might be scared or anxious or worried or concerned about what's going on, I pray that you're 
peace would overwhelm them and comfort them. And if anything, use them to comfort others. God, bless your word and your message today that it might just speak to people's hearts uh, this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen. So this is the uh, third part or third week, actually the final week in our series called Dangerous Prayers. Week one, we... uh, looked at the prayer, God, search me. Uh, Week two, we looked at the prayer, God, break me. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the prayer, God, send me. God, send me. All of them dangerous prayers, all of them good prayers. Uh, But we, um, I, I truly believe that this one for me is the most exciting of all of them. Week two, break me, was the most difficult. Week one, uh, search me, was the most convicting. But man, I've been so excited to preach this message on God send me uh, for a while now. I want to begin by just telling you a story of a time where I was in my car and I was going to a meeting and I was in a rush. Uh, I was just trying to get there as fast as I can. And so I remember seeing, being at a red light and seeing a family uh, just on the side of the road and they were homeless and they were asking for food and money or just help. And I remember God prompting me very, very strongly to help them. Uh, I just knew that God had wanted me to do something for them. Uh, But the truth is, Uh, And sadly, the truth is that I didn't stop. Uh, I kept on driving. I was busy. I was in a rush. I had to make this appointment. So I just kept driving towards my appointment. And then again, God just kept convicting me. God just kept prompting me to help them. So finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go help them. So that's what I did. I, I, I did a U-turn and I went to, to, to look for the family. And when I arrived to where the family was, uh, they were no longer there. Uh, I was looking for them. Uh, I couldn't find them at all. And man, I just felt so convicted. I felt so guilty. And man, I missed an opportunity to be used by God. I missed this opportunity to be used by God in this family's life when God was prompting me to help them, when God was sending me to help them. And if you're anything like me, you could relate. Maybe you've had those type of situations in your lives, in your life, or those type of stories in your life, missed opportunities where God wants to use you to impact other people. Now, over the years, uh, I've seen really three major responses to God's calling. I've seen three major responses uh, to when, when, when God sends people out or God calls people to make a difference. We respond in generally three ways. The first one is just flat out, God, I'm not going. God, I'm not going. I know you want me to make a difference in this world. I know you're calling me to step outside of my comfort zone, but honestly, I don't want to, God, and I'm not going. I'm just not going to do it. The second one is, God, not yet. Not yet. Uh, Okay, I'll do what you've called me to do and where you're sending me, but it's on my time, God. It's not on your time. God, not yet. But here's the thing. We know that delayed obedience is disobedience. That delayed obedience is still disobedience. It's not our time when we want to, when we feel comfortable, when we feel ready. It's really when God sends us out. It's on God's timing. So we say, you know what, God? Not yet. I'm not going, I'm not yet. And then third, 
God, send somebody else. God, send somebody else. God, I, I think you got the wrong person. I don't really think you're calling me to step outside of my comfort zone. I really don't think you're calling me to share the gospel or to, or to pray for someone or to help someone in need. I think you're calling somebody else. God, send somebody else. And I, I asked myself, why do we respond that way? What causes us to respond that way? And a lot of times the reason why we respond with, I'm not going, not yet, or find someone else is because of fear. It's because of fear. God, what, what if I step outside of my comfort zone and I fail? God, what if I step outside of my comfort zone and into your calling and it's not what I thought? God, what if they say this about me? What if this? What if? And so it's just all of this fear that stops us. Maybe some of us feel inadequate. God, I have never prayed for someone. I have never shared my faith. I have never led a small group. I have never given generously, whatever it is. And so we feel inadequate. God, I've never done this. And so because I feel like I've never done this, God, I don't want to do it. Or maybe not yet. Or find somebody else. Maybe it's insecurity. God, you really want to use me? I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. God, send someone else. And so then we respond by saying, God, I'm not going to do it. God, not yet. God, send somebody else. But by us saying that we're not going, but by us saying not yet or send someone else, we're not only missing out on the opportunity to be used by God in other people's lives, but we're also missing on the opportunity to be used by God in such a way that it creates intimacy with God, that it creates spiritual growth in our lives. We miss on the opportunity of spiritual maturity. And so what I want to do this morning is I really want to take a look at an instance in the Bible where Isaiah the prophet, a prophet in the Old Testament, uh, asked God, God, send me. God, send me. And what led up to him praying that prayer and making that commitment. So if you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, what I want to do is I'm going to read this passage, verses 1 through 8, and then come back and see what led to Isaiah's response. Uh, and this is what it says. In the year uh, the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, and this is Isaiah responding, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here 
I am. Send me. Send me, Isaiah prayed. Isaiah responded. So really what led to Isaiah's response? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is that Isaiah experienced God's presence. Isaiah experienced the presence of God. The text tells us that Isaiah saw the Lord. He had a vision of the Lord. He had an experience, a supernatural experience with God. Now here the Lord actually refers to Jesus Christ himself. Uh, in the gospel of John verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 41, John actually tells us that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and that he spoke about it. So the, the person that, that Isaiah is having a vision of is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The text also tells us here that the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, this word glory, it's a technical term, actually, for the manifest presence of God. And so God's manifest presence is the fact that God is with us in a clear and convincing way. So, for example, when, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, that was God's manifestation of his presence through a burning bush. Or when the Israelites were wandering in Egypt, Moses and Aaron told them that they were going to see the glory of God, the presence of God uh, in a cloud. And so that's what... That's what the experience that Isaiah had. He experienced the presence of God in a real and tangible way. I remember in February of 2019, my wife and I, my wife Christine and I went to Alabama for a training. And we were at a church, a church service, and during the worship service, uh, you know, we, we were worshiping and singing these powerful lyrics to God. And uh, I remember just standing there, and as I was worshiping God and calling out to Him, uh, I just felt the presence of God like I've never felt before in my life just overwhelm my heart, overwhelm my soul comfort me, love me, and encourage me like I've just never, ever felt before. And as I was singing, I began to, to choke up. I began to choke up and, and tears started flowing down my face and I was wiping them because Christina was next to me and I didn't want her to see me. And then I was going to lose my man card. And I just, I just didn't want that to happen. So I was wiping the tears, but it came to a point in, in the worship service where I couldn't even sing. I had no words to, to express to God how good he was. I just couldn't physically sing to God. And so I, I just stood there with my eyes closed, uh, tears flowing down my face, experiencing the presence and the power of God. You see, in order for us to experience the presence of God in our lives, we have to be available. We have to make room for the presence of God in our lives. We have to make room for him. We have to make time for him. We have to shut off our phones and open our hearts so that God could work in our lives. And look, I'm not saying that, 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 that you have to experience God through a cloud or through a burning bush or something like that. No, I think that God's presence could be experienced uh, anywhere and in many ways. Uh, maybe you could experience God's presence as you're sitting down in, at your home at the coffee table and, and 
and you have your word open and, and you're drinking a coffee, you can experience God's presence there. Maybe on the way to work, as you're listening to a worship song, you could experience the presence of God there. Uh, when you're walking the dog or when you're at the gym or uh, at a family dinner, uh, you could experience the presence of God anywhere you go. And God can speak to you in many ways. He could whisper something into your heart. He could speak to you through his word. He could speak to you through a worship song or maybe even speak to you through another person. But the point is that we have to slow down, make time for him, make room for him, make room for the presence of God in our hearts and in our lives. Isaiah experienced the presence of God. The second thing he experienced was God's holiness. He experienced the holiness of God. The scripture tells us that the, there were these seraphim, these fiery supernatural uh, beings with six wings, and, and the text tells us that they, they would cover their face. And the reason why they would cover their face was because they could not look upon the full holiness of God, that God was so holy, absolutely holy, that they couldn't even stand looking at God. And the scripture tells us that they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. So what does the holiness of God mean? What does that really mean? It means really two things. One, that God is completely separated from sin, that he is morally perfect, that he is morally pure, that he is the ultimate moral standard. The second thing is that God is completely and totally distinct from his creation, that you could never confuse the creator with his creation. There is a distinctiveness between God, the creator, and his creation. And so when the Bible repeats certain words, for example, holy, 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 it's very important for us to pay close attention. What I think the text here is trying to say is that God is absolutely holy. He is the holiest of the holies. Now notice what happens when Isaiah experiences the holiness of God. Isaiah sees his sinfulness. He sees his sinfulness. God's holiness exposes his sinfulness. He says, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah recognized his sinfulness. He recognized he did not have a pure heart. You see, we live in a comparison culture. We like to compare everything and everyone and everything we have. We like to compare our house. Do I have a nicer house than this person? Do I have a nicer car? Do I have a better job? And do I take better vacations? And so we tend to compare, especially with social media, a lot. We tend to compare a lot. And we do that with spirituality and morality as well. Well, I, I go to church. I serve. That person doesn't. You know, I give, that person doesn't. I, I, I'm not a murderer. I'm not like that person. I'm not stealing or hurting anybody or killing anyone. So we, we tend to compare ourselves with others. But that's a problem because that doesn't expose our sinfulness. You see, but when we compare ourselves to God, the ultimate standard of truth, the ultimate standard of what is holy and right and pure and perfect, that 
exposes our sin. Comparison to others creates pride or discouragement, but comparison to God creates humility and dependence. God, I know you are holy and I'm sinful. God, and I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I'm dependent upon you. So I want to encourage you, again, to be available, to take time to meditate and reflect on the holiness, the greatness of God. Be available to look upon his holiness. Ask God to reveal the sin in your life. Ask God to help you become more holy like he is holy. So Isaiah experienced the presence of God. He also experienced the holiness of God, which revealed his sinfulness. And lastly, he experienced the grace of God. He experienced God's grace. The scripture tells us that the the seraphim took a coal, a burning coal, and put it on uh, Isaiah's mouth. And, And this coal represents God's gracious forgiveness and purification. You see, God's grace means undeserved favor. There is nothing that Isaiah did to earn this grace, this saving grace, this forgiving grace. He didn't have enough power within himself to bring forgiveness. He didn't have enough works. Uh, He couldn't work his own salvation. The scripture tells us that after the cold touched his mouth, that his guilt was taken away and his sins were atoned for. You see, Isaiah through God's grace, did not experience punishment. His sin no longer separated him from God. His sin and guilt no longer kept him from the presence of God. And it's nothing that he did. It's simply by the grace of God, his undeserved favor towards him. I remember the very first time I experienced God's saving grace. God's saving, undeserved favor towards my life. I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. I lived my life apart from Jesus uh, my, my entire life up until that moment. I was the worst of the worst of all my friends. I was a party animal away from God, in sin, broken, messed up. Um, and I, I remember this one time we were at my friend's house. And I was sitting at the kitchen table and my friends were getting ready to go to another party and they were drinking to, to kind of get things started. And I was sitting at this table and I don't know why at that moment I wasn't drinking. Like I said, I, I was the craziest one out of all of them. And so I, I just remember sitting at this table and I felt like if someone grabbed me from the shoulders, picked me up and stood me up. And, and these are friends that, I, that I've been with for, for many years. And, and I remember telling them these words. I said, guys, I said, I'm done with this life. I can't anymore. I felt like these words were just forced out of my mouth. Like I had no control. And they looked at me just like, what? Like, what, what's going on? It was the most awkward moment of my life. But I remember getting into that car and, and driving off from my friend's house. I, 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 on my way home, I, I felt freedom like I've never experienced before. And I, I, I get to my house. I, I go to my room. I, I close the door behind me. And I throw myself on the floor. And I say, God, 
my life is yours. God, forgive me of my sins. God, I need your grace. And it was at that moment, as 18 years old, in my, 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 my room, in my room, on the floor, that I experienced the grace of God, where he saved me, where he forgave me, where he gave me a purpose, where he gave me hope, when he rescued me and restored me and redeemed me. And what was my response? Very similar to Isaiah's response. God, whatever you want from my life, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. My life is yours. I'm completely surrendered to you. That was my response to God. God, I'm all yours. All yours. You see, God's grace compels us to go. God's grace compels us to go. God's grace compels us to to pray, God, send me. God, because you have saved me, I want you to send me. Now, here's the thing. It's not out of obligation. It's not like, because God saved me, I have to do it. I have to do it. I mean, I'm just going to do it. He saved me. That's the least I could do. It's not out of obligation, but it's a privilege to be sent by God. It's having a we get to mentality and not a we got to mentality. God, we get to be sent by you. We get to be called by you. We get to make a difference in this world and in people's lives because of you. God's grace compels us to go because he has saved me. I will not answer no. Because he has saved me, I will not answer not yet. Because he has saved me, I will not answer, send somebody else. I want to encourage you this morning to take some next steps in your walk with Jesus. If you're taking notes, very practical things. Number one, begin to pray, God send me. It's a dangerous prayer. It is. But it's a good prayer. It's one of growth. God send me. This week, as as you go about your week, pray that God send me. God send me. Send me to the people who need hope. Send me to the people who need faith. Send me to the lonely. Send me to the broken. Send me to the destitute. Send me to whoever you want. God pray. God send me. Send me. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is ask God, God, how do you want to use me in the situation that our country is in, in the situation that our wor- world is in. God, how do you want to use me? Many people are fearful right now, anxious, wor- worried, concerned. God, how do you want to use me? One of my favorite pastors says, a scared world needs a fearless church. And I agree with that. It, it's, it's the time to be the church and not just go to church. God wants to use you in the lives of people in your network to bring hope to the hopeless and faith to the fearful. This is your opportunity not to just say, hey, we don't have church for two weeks. I'm going to kick back. No. You see, as as the world tries to, to, to wander around to find hand sanitizer and toilet paper, I truly believe that it's time for the church to scramble around to find their net, 
to find the net because people are going to be broken and hurting and it's the time for us to shine the light in the darkness. Number three, I want you to invite, begin to, to think about inviting people to our Easter Sunday service. Who is God placing in your life that, that, that he wants to use you in such a way to, to get them to church and to, uh, so they can hear a message of hope, so that they can hear the gospel proclaimed clearly, so they can hear the resurrection hope that is available to them. God, who are you leading me to to invite to Easter? I want to end with this this morning. Uh, at Restoration Church, we have what we call our growth track. And in this growth track, uh, we in step three, we um, talk about being a leader. And what does a leader mean uh, at Restoration Church? What, is, what, what does that look like? And we have a leadership declaration at Restoration Church. Anybody who serves with us, it's our declaration, it's our call, it's our anthem, it's our purpose. And I actually want to read a portion of that declaration. It says this, because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth, we over me, character over comfort, service over status, God's purpose over possessions, positions, popularity, and pleasure. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is always yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime anywhere. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that faithful day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin. That is my prayer and my hope not just for you individually, but for Restoration Church, that we would be a church that prays, God, send us. Send us. Use us. Take us to the hurting. Take us to the broken. Take us to the darkness. Whenever there is crisis, we don't back down, but we stand in the forefront, in the front lines of battle at Restoration Church. Use us. Send us and lead us. Send me. If you're a believer, God wants to be your sender. He wants to send you. If you don't know Jesus, God wants to be your sender as well. But before he can be your sender, he needs to be your savior. You see, in order to be sent by God, we must be saved by God. You see, in Isaiah when he realized his sinfulness, his response was, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I'm a sinful. My life is over. That's it. There's no hope. But because of the grace of God, God rescued him. God restored him. God redeemed him. God forgave him. God saved him. And so look, I don't know where you're watching from. I don't know where you're at, what your story is, but I just want to tell you something this morning. 
that the same grace and forgiveness that, is, that was available to Isaiah is also available to you this morning. It's available to you. And scripture tells us that if we would repent like Isaiah did and believe and place our faith in Jesus, that God would forgive us, that God would redeem us, that God would give us eternal life, that if we would confess our sin to God and place our faith in Jesus' work on the cross, not our work, because we can't save ourselves. It is simply by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ. That's it. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as I close in prayer, right there where you are, you're never too far from God to, to be forgiven. Your sins could, are never so bad that God can't forgive you. You're never too broken beyond repair. Right where you're at. God wants to forgive you and redeem you. So I want to pray for you. And as I pray for you, right there where you're at, in your heart, out loud, whatever you want to do, say, God, I repent of my sin, just like Isaiah. I repent. I know I've messed up. I know I've sinned against you. I've messed up. I've blown it. You're a holy, righteous, perfect God, and I've sinned against this holy and perfect and righteous God, and I know I deserve your wrath, but... I know you're loving and you're good and you're faithful and you're gracious and I place my faith in you. I place my whole life in you. I trust you with everything I have and I receive your forgiveness. Would you pray that right where you're at as I pray for you? God, I want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the story of an example of someone who has realized and recognized their sinfulness, but yet experienced your grace. God, I pray if there's anyone hearing this message this morning that is in need of salvation, that is in need of forgiveness, I pray right where they're at that you would comfort them, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would just overwhelm their life, their home. That you would assure them, God, that you are with them and for them. That you would assure them that today is the day that they went from hopelessness to hopefulness. To that today was the day that they went from darkness to light. That they went from de being dead to being made alive in you. And that they, hit, that they have eternal life starting today. I pray that you would use them, that you would send them as well to make a difference in this world. God, I also pray for those of us who are believers and we've just been in our comfort zone. We've been saying, God, I'm not going, not yet, and use somebody else. God, I pray that today would just be a challenging message, yet an encouraging message to be the light in the darkness. God, send me, send me, send Restoration Church to make a difference in this world. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. 
And if you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this podcast with your friends and your family so they can be encouraged and inspired as they seek Jesus. Again, thank you so much for listening.